basis. I'm a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Therefore, I'm a fruitful believer. Amen, amen. John chapter number 14 is where we're going to begin once again this morning. I, I will say this, that I have at least three hours in <laughs> and I am aware that I am not able to teach three hours. And so we have been looking to synthesize a lot of this down and being able to do so requires uh, elimination of some areas. So uh, y'all, we just bear with me and we'll flow, I believe, with what the Spirit of God has for us on this morning. Amen. As I, as I make the shift to not teach three hours. Amen. That's what happens when we don't have a midweek. <laughs> and the midweek, I want to just fill in and say, what's it look now? <laughs> so uh, let's look at these areas this morning. We've been ministering on uh, the holistic subject, faith in the Holy Spirit, or how to flow with God. And then the Spirit of God began to drop on the inside of me that we need to make a uh, shift into this area, which is in correspondent with that particular title, but it is the righteous mind the righteous mind. But we have to first and foremost set up some foundation in regards to this area for us to begin to kind of bridge out into the areas I believe God wants us to get hold of in this particular series of teachings. Now, as I've always said and continue to say, most of the things that I have taught, I just stop and move on to the next thing. It isn't because there is a level of completion with it. Sometimes there is, but rarely that is the case. So it was with the subject of faith. If you recall, I said there's five elements, and I think we went through maybe two. And so that means that we will revisit that holistically at another point in time. But I believe this is what the Spirit of God has for us to talk about, is looking at this area of developing and cultivating, if you will, or the restoration of your righteous mind. That being said, look over at John chapter number 14 and verse 26 once again. John chapter 14 and verse 26. The scripture says in regards to Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit's coming, and we know that the Holy Spirit is now here. He says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you, notice the word, teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I said unto you. So he says, but the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, he says, the Comforter, we understand before as we explain that the word Comforter literally means standby, help, the strengthener, the counselor, the advocate, the intercessor, the, the Comforter, if you will. He says, he's going to do certain things. The Holy Ghost whom I will send in my name, he will be sending my authority. He says, watch this, he shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said or I have said unto you. Now, I want to emphasize in regards to this particular series, this number eight, as I call it, because we understand there are seven characteristics we see within this one word comforter or parakletos. And then he says, he shall teach you and he says, he shall bring all things to your remembrance. But let's emphasize this area of the Holy Spirit as being your teacher. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. Now, when we utilize this term teacher or to teach, 
What are we saying? When we think about a teacher within our lives, we usually think in terms of uh, someone that is giving knowledge. We think of it as someone that is training people. It means to teach, literally means to instruct. And so as we look at the definition as, as to teach, to train, to instruct, to give some knowledge, we need to start shifting our thinking in regards to the presence of the Holy Spirit as beyond a churchy feeling. That the Holy Spirit is not in the drum beat. The Holy Spirit is not in the organ. The Holy Spirit is an ever-present help within your life that is has been deployed by Father God to do some things in the earth. And it transcends some of the churchy stuff that we are accustomed to. Because we think at times, if we're religiously trained, that this that the expressions that we see within church is the only way that the Holy Spirit in fact operates and the issue that we have when we have that kind of restrictive thinking is that he can't talk to you on Monday he can't prophesy certain things to you and show you wisdom on how to act right on Tuesday because if in your mind you've restricted him to the organ at church you've restricted him to the drum and when you shout then you've restricted his presence within your life but the Bible tells us that he is a teacher. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. And I submit to you there are two categories that he teaches us in. The Holy Spirit teaches us in these two defined categories. One of them is the spirit of wisdom. The Bible defines the Holy Spirit and his teaching as being the spirit of wisdom that is with us. But it is also defined as being the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit, the one that gives some instructions, the one that trains, the one that that is the one that is giving knowledge. He is giving us knowledge in the area of wisdom and in the area of truth. Turn over, if you will, to Romans chapter number 12 once again. As we look at this, it seems like we look at this verse a lot in this church. Romans chapter number 12, and this is where we're going to find really our text for this session, this morning, this session, this morning, Romans chapter 12 and verse number two. Notice this. He says, watch this. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says, do not be like the world. This is the reason why we spend so much time talking about offense and how you deal with and operate with this area of offense in your life. Because God is calling you to do things differently. And in order for you to do things differently, you got to think differently. The problem with most Christians is that they get born again and yet they retain their carnal way of operating because they keep their carnal way of thinking. And until you decide that I'm going to embrace holistically the kingdom of God and the way it operates then I'm never going to see within my life the things that God's intended for me to see. He says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he says, there is a reason for it, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice he says again, be ye transformed, transformed by the renewing. The word renewing is an interesting word. It comes from a Greek word which literally means the renovation He says, be ye transformed by the renovation 
of your mind. And when you think in terms of the renovation, you know, we, when we moved into our house, there was a kitchen in place. And my wife said, I don't like that kitchen. She said, we're going to do this massive renovation project. And I remember after we closed, bless God, I came into the house before we moved and I saw a bunch of guys pulling out stuff. And part of me wanted to freak out and say, what in the, what, what's going on? They were pulling this out, pulling that out the wall. This man had this, he said his hammer, he was going up the walls and taking that down because they were doing some demolition. I looked and I said, what was wrong with the kitchen we had? Why we got to start over again? There was a renovation process that was beginning to take place first process was this area of a demolition in which we had to take out all the old stuff and clear out the section to receive the new. He says, watch this, be ye transformed by the renovation of your mind. There's some stuff within your mind that God says that can't stay for where you're going. There's some stuff in the way that you process that God says in order for you to obtain the destiny, the future that he has intended for you to obtain and lay hold of, that can't stay. So areas of unbelief, areas on which you have unforgiveness within your heart. He says, I got to pull that out. And it might be that it takes longer for this renovation to take place within your life, within just this area of demolition. Well, God said, I got to take this out. It's going to take three years on that. I got to remove this out of you because it's going to take five years on that. I got to get this going because it's going to take seven years on that. And you all the while say, God, how long? God says, well, how long is it going to take for you? How long is this renovation going to take for me to even get you to the position where I can start moving into stuff that I've intended for you to have? In other words, how long is it going to be before I'm able to move in my way of thinking and get your way out? He says transformed by the renovation. But the word renovation or the word renewing there literally also means complete change for the better. See, in the process of this renovation, this renewing within our minds, you got to get to the point where you actually believe God's way is better. The way he's intended for you to live, the way he's intended for you to think is actually better. And that does not happen overnight. Because in the beginning, when God begins to challenge the way you think, there's a natural resistance. Lord, wait, 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 now what? But he says, I want you to think this way. I want you to love those that persecute. You want me to do what? You want me to forgive those that don't even ask for my forgiveness. What? And God says, all right. So we're still dealing with the demo process with you. Because <laughs> you are saying, no, I want that stove to stay in its place. God said, no, but I got a better situation for you. But you got to let go in the demo process so that you can receive the rest of the renovation of what I have. You got to believe that it changed for the better. You know, we get this 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 natural picture. Uh, we I've walked in houses. I'm like, man, a good renovation would help this house out a lot. Oh my God, new stove, new floors, new walls. You know paint you know maybe we could take this wall all kind of renovation this would make this house watch this and we understand this in real estate it will allow the house to be of more value but when it comes to the way we think we got to get to the point where when God says take that out move that away it's going to be you're going to become somebody of more value but we don't believe so in the beginning you want me to do what (laughs) 
I like the way I think. God says, but you're not valuable yet. Because you keep operating the same way. You keep reverting back to the same way you used to. And he says, until you get rid of that, your value is going to stay the same. Complete change for the better. Now, when you look at just this basic definition, the, the Cambridge Dictionary defines to renew means to increase the life of. It means to increase the life of. When God is saying, renew your mind, he's saying, I'm trying, I am attempting to increase your life. Because if I can't change the way you think, then your life will be remain the same way it always has been. It also means to replace something old. To replace something old. So now we begin to understand this a little bit differently. He says, be not conformed to something old but be transformed by the renewing, the renovation, the complete change, the increase of your life. Be changed or transformed by the replacement of something that's old, the mind. He says, so that you can prove what is the acceptable and perfect will of God. The New Living Translation literally says it this way, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God, now I like this translation because how it says, he says, let God. Because everything that we're talking about in regards to the Holy Spirit being our teacher is going to require a let God attitude out of you. Not a resistant to when he said, all right, you know, I need you to stop thinking like that. But Lord, I want to. He said, let God. <laughs> but Lord, don't you, but you got to get the but Lord out of you. He says, but let God transform you into a new person. I submit to you, as I said a second ago, a new person with new values, which means your value and who you are, it begins to come up because God says, all right, now we might be ready to use you. New person by changing the way you think. And he says, then you will learn to know God's will. Well, I can't learn to know God's will thinking the same way I've been thinking. That's what he's saying. You will never be the person that God has intended for you to be thinking the same way you've always thought. Why am I spending so much time on this? Because this assignment is to talk in terms of the Holy Spirit being our teacher and the restoration of your righteous mind. As I said before, I want you, for everything I talked about last week, let's put a pause on all of that. We got to reset this, build this foundation so we can get to the place I believe God wants us to get in this series. He says, I want my people to have a righteous mind. A righteous mind. A mind that works right. And for you to have the restoration of your righteous mind, it requires an embrace of the fact that your mind is not right yet. The way you think needs to be changed. It's one of the issues that a lot of Christians have as well. Is that they don't think there's nothing wrong. <laughs> what do you mean, Reverend? What are you talking about? Now, the Bible says this. Well, well I don't believe that. Well, there we have a problem. I watched a commentator this week. You know, uh, I, 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 he was commenting on something because somebody put together something that I talked about. Well, Jesus said this. Jesus never said that. Jesus said this. Jesus never said that. And he had a problem with it. I said, well, this is the problem. Because his whole argument was, well, what about this? But he was talking specifically about what Jesus said. See, we've got to get into the word of God so that we can have a transformation of how we think based on what it says and not what we've been taught religiously. 
Now, let's define this out a little bit further. If we are intended to have a righteous mind, what does this mean? Let's look at this first word, righteous. As I indicated this on last week, what does the word righteous mean? It means upright. The word righteous means conforming to divine law. The word righteous means wise way or manner. The word righteous also means genuine excellence. Genuine excellence. We're going to show you within this series, I remember in the book of Daniel, where the Bible talks about Daniel and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the leaders, they decided that they were not going to conform to the Babylon system. They weren't going to conform where their diet was concerned. And they were going to be examples before everybody of this is how you do it. And the Bible says that God made Daniel ten times better than his Babylonian competitors. God has an intent for your mind. For it to be upright. For it to be conforming to divine law. It is your mind. The righteous mind is supposed to be a way or manner of thinking. It's supposed to be genuinely excellent. The righteous mind, in other words, is supposed to have a genuineness that is not just simply scriptural memorization. When Christians think about being transformed by the renewing of your mind, they generally think in terms of scripture memorization. There's so many, even when it comes to preachers that I'm aware of, man, they can quote scripture after scripture after scripture, but they don't live most of them that they can quote. And the motivation for the quotations didn't have to do with conforming into the life of the kingdom. It has everything to do with impressing you with their quotations. So you can say, well, see, well, he really knows the Bible. Yeah, he can quote it, but he don't live none of it. There's a problem. When we're talking about a righteous mind, we are talking about a mind that governs your behavior so that you have uprightness within your life. A mind that allows you to tap in and operate in accordance with divine law. It is a mind that is wise. It is a mind that is genuinely excellent. Dare I say, a righteous mind can flow with the will of God. A righteous mind can flow with the will of God. It is, and we've seen this, and we're going to look at this again in the midweek, where God brings certain things to Adam and to see what he's going to call them. Because God can trust him with his decision-making process. You know, it's a beautiful thing when God is able to trust you to the point that your decisions are, have value to him. What do you think about this, son? What do you think about this, daughter? What is your consideration? Most of us, God can't have a conversation with you because you still have a carnal way of looking at life. And so he can never get you to the point where you will receive him in a different level of a relationship because you keep acting like a child with your carnal way of thinking. I have children. I can have a different conversation with my 16-year-old than I can my 5-year-old. And it's not that one's better or worse than the other. It's that they have a different level of maturity. The righteous mind is intended by God for you to get to the position where you finally grow up and you can use your mind for the intended purposes instead of areas of carnality and sin. A righteous mind is a mind that can flow with the will of God. A righteous mind, therefore, is a mind that is aligned 
in the will of God. It is a mind that is aligned in the will of God. We've been reading for the last month the story of, uh, my Lord, I'm about to call Esther, the story of Ruth. Four chapters for the whole month. You should have gone through it more than once at this point in time. Four chapters. But one of the things that we find, again, within this particular passage of Scripture is a, this absence of a direct word from God. God at no point in time says, Ruth, stick with Naomi, it's going to be good for you. At no point in time does God say, Naomi, I got an idea so Ruth and Boaz can get together. At no point in time does God say, Boaz, I want you to choose Ruth because it's going to be good for my project. It's going to be good for your destiny. All of these areas are subject to either a righteous mind or a mind that will operate according to their own thing and their own will. Ruth's mind towards Naomi, as we see in Ruth chapter 1 and verse number 16, she says to Naomi, don't urge me to leave or turn back from you. Where you go, I go. Where I stay, I, where you stay, I stay. He says, your people will be my people and your God, my God. Now we look at this and we read it and we glance over it, but we have to understand that when she says, I'm embracing the kingdom, that means I am leaving what I used to be. My life as it was up to this point, stop so I can embrace what you have for me next. She says, where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me out of the New International Version. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates me from you or you from me. She said, I'm willing to embrace what God has for me. Now, at this point, Naomi's got to make a decision. Does she say, go on now. I don't care what you say. You got to go. I'm going alone. <laughs> or does she say, all right, apparently I can't shake this girl. She got to go with me. And the Bible says, after she couldn't persuade this woman with a righteous mind to turn back to the way she used to be, she said, well, you just come on with me. See, everybody in the story had to make a decision as to whether or not they were going to embrace what God had for them or whether or not they were going to repel it. The Bible says, as we see within Ruth chapter number two, that Boaz's mind has, has a certain mind towards Ruth, the Bible says, so Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen, don't go and glean in another field. So he sees Ruth in the field gleaning and he hears about Ruth's story. Boaz at this point has to make a decision. Once again, am I going to embrace things in a righteous way or am I going to tell her, look, you just go on now. I ain't got time for this. Boaz, the Bible defines him as the kinsman redeemer. A kinship to the nature of Christ. Taking someone that was lost and, and out and down and restoring them back to a position of honor. The righteous mind, us again, is a mind that flows with the Spirit of God. And it is a mind that is aligned in the will of God. The righteous mind is the embrace of the Spirit of wisdom and the spirit of truth. We can't cover both of them today. We're going to look at one. The spirit of wisdom. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. The Holy Spirit within your life 
will take your cognitive ability and supersede that. But it does mean that you got to have some cognitive ability. It's part of the reason why sometimes God said, I need you to go to school because I need your exposure to certain things so that I can pull from this area and that area and put everything together in the way I've intended it for your life. Notice this in James chapter one and verse number five. When we talk about the spirit of wisdom, the Bible tells us something that's very interesting and distinct. He says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth all, giveth to all liberally and unbrideth not, and it shall, and it shall, and it shall be given thee. So he says that in, John, in James chapter 1 and verse 5, that this wisdom that you need within life, he says he's willing to give it to you. All you got to do is ask. Now most of us hear that and that's what we say. Amen, that's right, reverend. But on Monday when you scream, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. He said he gave you wisdom. Tuesday when you say, ah, well, how am I supposed to do this? You, you, you disregard God. He said he'll give it to you. Why could he say he give it to you? Because the Holy Spirit is ever present with you to teach you how to operate in wisdom. But it does require something from you. And embrace. I keep saying the same thing in this message if you, if you catch what I'm saying. Everything that God has for you has to be received. It has to be received. Turn over to Proverbs chapter number one. I'm going to read this out of the voice translation. It's a little bit of scripture reading this morning. Proverbs chapter one. Because I asked the question, then Lord, what does it look like if you don't receive the wisdom of God? And I want us to look at this particularly in the voice translation because it kind of puts things where we are a little bit. Now it's strong in the King James, but take a look at this in the voice. It says, watch this, verse number 22. It says, you simple, naive people, how long will you love your feeble ways? Now I want us to look at this as God talking to us. Now this is a little straight talk from the Holy Spirit. How long will you love your feeble ways? You simpletons, how long will you enjoy making fun of what you don't understand? You don't take all that, ha, ha, ha. You don't need to be that committed to God. He says, how long are you going to make fun of things you don't understand? You fools, how long will you hate learning what truly matters? How long are you going to have a hatred towards the kingdom of God? Now, you won't say that, but your actions are displaying that. Because God says, all right, I provided you churches so that you can grow and mature. You say, I ain't got time to go there, but you sure got time to show up for work. What do you value? Verse 23, watch that he says, turn to me and receive my gentle correction. So this is a pleading. Get this idea. The Holy Spirit said, turn to me. I'm nudging you. I'm teaching you. I'm training. Turn to me and receive my gentle nudging. He says, watch and I will pour out. Notice he says, my spirit on you. I will share with you my wise words in order to redirect your lives. God's willingness to pour out his spirit on you and give you the wisdom that you need for daily living. So that your life is directed toward his purpose and his will and not your own. Verse 24, now notice this, he says, you hear what you have refused to answer my call. He says, you hear, but you refuse to answer my call. He says, my hands reach out, but no one noticed. Verse 25, my advice, my correction, all have been neglected. You wanted nothing of them. You say, that's not me. Yeah, it was on Wednesday. 
Yeah, it was on Tuesday. He said, if you need wisdom, it's here for you. You said, I got to figure this out myself. So my advice, my correction have all been neglected. You wanted nothing of them. He says, watch this, verse 26 out of the voice translation. So I will be the laughter you hear when misfortune comes. Now, this is some straight talk now. When misfortune comes and you have really gone with the decision that you've made, maybe that's the laughter you're hearing. God saying, you thought that was a good idea? He says, and it will come. I will be the mocking sound when panic grips you. He says, when panic comes like a stormy blast, when misfortune sweeps in like a whirlwind, sorrow and anguish weigh you down. Verse 28, this is when they will call on me. And that's what a lot of Christians look like. When you're in something, they even call on Jesus. Jesus is on the main line. Tell him what you want. Because all of a sudden, now God's important. But the problem is wisdom has been available for you the entire time and not just when you've made a truckload of bad decisions. He says, but I will respond. They will be frantic to find me, but they won't be able. Why won't they be able? Because he says in James chapter 1 that if you're going to ask for wisdom, it requires that you ask in faith. And the issue that people have is when you're up against pressure and you're not practiced in believing God, then it's hard to go to God in faith. He said, believe it by faith that you have wisdom. Well, you ain't been practicing on that. You've been practicing panic. You've been practicing fret. And you've been practicing in your old way of doing things. He says, watch this. Because they despise knowledge, verse 29, of my ways they will refuse to respect and honor the eternal. King James literally says, for they have hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. He says, verse 30, out of the voice, he says, because they rejected my advice and turned down my corrections, they will surely get what's coming to them. They'll be forced to eat the fruit of wickedness or wicked ways. They will gorge themselves on the consequences of their choices. This ain't, this ain't the devil attacking you. This is bad decisions based on bad thinking. And the whole time God says, I need to change the way you think so that your behavior changes. But when you don't embrace the changing and the renewing, the reshaping and the renovation process of how you think, then you continue to make the bad decisions you've been making. And then you go to God and say, what happened? He said, well, you haven't been in the gym of the mental exercise where I want you to get your righteous mind back. Verse 32. You see, it's turning away from me that brings death to the simple. And it's simple satisfaction that destroys the fool. Verse 33. But those who listen to me now will live under, notice he says, divine. When you listen to the wisdom, the spirit of wisdom, he says you're going to live under divine protection. This is where we begin to understand where no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It only requires one thing, though, that you're a servant of the Lord. He says they rest knowing they are out of harm's way. There is a beauty in having a righteous mind. 
There is a beauty in thinking right so that God can use your mind and you're not spending all day rebuking bad thoughts, negative things, lustful areas. You are able to have a mind that's pure that God can flow through and that you don't always have to resist. The righteous mind, as we close, is a mind that enables certain things within your life. The righteous mind is something that allows certain things within your life. When we embrace the Holy Spirit as our teacher and as he cultivates within us the spirit of wisdom, he, he, what you're doing is that you're allowing the righteous mind to be cultivated so it permits certain things to be a manifestation within your life. One of the things that the righteous mind enables, it allows and permits is a partnership with God. A partnership with God. This is where God is doing his part and you're doing your part. This is where we talk typically of this area of things working together. We have a shared goal. We have a partner with God. We have shared resources. That's why he tells us in, in Matthew chapter number six, don't take any thought for all these natural things. He says, I want you to first seek the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all this other stuff's going to be added. Why? Because he says, when you enter into partnership with the kingdom, he says, you got your part and I got mine. And if you will show up and start doing things the way I've ordained for your life, he says, don't you worry about the other stuff. I'll add that to you. A partnership with God is what allows us to live our best life. That seems to be a going thing these days. You're living your best life. I was like, well, best life, what does that mean? I mean, do you have another one to live? But if we all want to use this colloquialism, to live your best life is a life that is in partnership with the Almighty. A righteous mind enables, it allows, and it permits. And I'm going to talk about some of this further because a lot of this, like I said, we're just glossing over the surface. A righteous mind enables, it allows, it permits an authorization from God. It allows, it enables, and it permits an authorization from God. What is that? Where God gives you official permission to do something. It is where you've been given the ability to act as someone thing or someone official. I got two hats. I got the hat that I wear on Sunday, and then I got a hat I wear on Monday. I can send an email with the church, and I can send another email from my other word. Both of them have different kind of authorizations. Authorization. When you have a righteous mind, God is able to authorize you in certain areas, give you permission to act in certain kind of ways. And last but definitely not least, when you operate or the righteous mind enables, it allows, it permits within your life for a backing by God. A backing by God. Where God's able to do things through you. You're able to go out and you're able to say things and God will back what you said. You're able to declare things and it'll be established. Because of the fact you finally got to the place where God can really use how you process things. Your mind is not filled with sin, it's filled with righteousness. And now... Even the way I think that God lets this book come this way. God lets that, this process, this ability. It comes about, God says, I'm using your mind. I'm illuminating the way you think because it's finally aligned with my will and my purpose. 
instead of being aligned with the devil in sin. The righteous mind, when we permit God, is what puts us in position where God can use us in ways he has never used us to this point. Let's pray. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, God, we bless you for this opportunity to have gotten in your word. Lord, you're working on us. There are even areas, God, of biases that may be sitting on the inside of you. Lord, you're doing a renovation. Areas where you said that's got to go. This has got to move. That can't sit there. That has to, you got to have to let go of that. All these areas, God, because you have something new for us. God, we embrace your renovation process. God is painful at times, just like in any demo. There's some times where, yeah, some things hurt coming out. (laughs) Some things don't feel good. But Lord, we're beginning to understand that there's a purpose to let go of the old, to fully embrace the new. We've got to be like Ruth and let go of everything that we've known to embrace the covenant life that you're calling us to. And we thank you, Lord, that no yes is unassociated with people. So, God, help us to say yes for the people that we don't know. Help us to say yes for the people we can't see. Help us to say yes, God, to the people that you're placing within our sphere of influence. God, help us to say yes that we can see beyond our own selfishness to see your heart for the people that are assembled around us. God, we give you praise and we give you glory. And we choose, God, to embrace a righteous mind. Now, God, as we continue to get into these areas, just continue to reveal these areas to us. We want to think right. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone that say, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it's giving time. Y'all a little warm. I'm a little warm. That's all. I did. I did. Yeah, I did. Man, I did. <laughs> Second Peter chapter number three and verse nine. I want to emphasize the beginning part of that particular passage of scripture. It says, "This is Peter speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit." He says, "The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness." But is long suffering to us words, not willing that any should perish. And we know holistically it's talking about salvation. But I want you to notice the first portion of this verse of scripture it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. As some men count slackness. Some men you, you can't trust. You know, they, they say one thing, they can't be trusted. Tell you they're gonna do this, they don't ever do it. Tell you, well, trust my heart. Well, I am trusting your heart. Your heart is bad. God said, I ain't like men. He says he's not slack concerning his promises. Now, when he tells you to give, he says, I'm not slack concerning my promises. I said, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down, shake it together, shall men give unto your bosom. He says, I want you to bring the tithe and the offering into the storehouse. And he says, prove me now, said the Spirit of God. Will I not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing in which there's not room enough to receive? He said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. He said, I'll make all grace abound towards you. These are promises. 
He says, I'm not slack concerning my promises. The Bible even tells us over in Isaiah that he watches over his word to perform it. The cultivation of the righteous mind is where we get to a point where, yeah, we already know this. God will. It's not a mind of unbelief. I say, God, I, even when I'm not sure, I know you will because you're not slack concerning your promises. Three ways you can sow into the training center. First way is by way of our online giving, which is www.thetrainingcenter-church.org. Second way is by way of our cash app, which is dollar sign one TTC. Third way is by way of our mail, which is the training center located at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Gastonia, North Carolina, zip code 28052. And of course, you can give live and in the house. Always are received by this ministry. And we thank you for whatever way the Spirit of God is telling you to sow. We thank God for our members and we even thank God for our partners that sow into this ministry. Your seed, your seeds are definitely helping to make it possible. Amen. Congregation, let us set ourselves in agreement with those that are sowing and, in fact, those that have already sown. Father, we thank you that you are not slack concerning your promises. Lord, because we are cheerful, prompt to do it, givers, we thank you, Lord, that all grace, that you'll cause the grace of God to abound towards us. Lord, because we are tithers and givers, we thank you, Lord, that we live under an open heaven in which the blessings of God are pouring out upon us, in which there is, there is an abundance within our lives. We thank you, Lord, because we have placed our seeds in the hands of the anointed God. We the devour for our sake. So we speak of our seed and say, seed, go and grow and produce a harvest in the name of Jesus in accordance to your word. We call every one of our bills met. We thank you that you are the God that's able to supply all of our needs according agreement did say amen well praise the lord as i indicated to you i thought i was going to bring one up here but i didn't book number six is now out look all these sermon books i've said this in the past they're really the longhand written down sermons i ministered this last subject last year in october right at the beginning of clergy appreciation the spirit of god began to tell me that i need to minister concerning spiritual abuse and so one of the things, I was not intending on putting this together, but one of the things he told me to do is take that sermon and put it inside of a book. And so that is book number six this year, sermon book or ministry book number six, which is how to discern spiritual abuse. God has given us safeguards concerning spiritual abuse. There are a lot of things you got to do to be abused. Uh, by spiritual authority. You have to override certain areas in your life where the Holy Spirit said, that ain't me. I wouldn't tell you to do that. I'm not looking to do anything that is uh, abnormal use within your life. And so this is one of the things that, that I, I, we wanted to make this book as simple and as, as concise as possible. I, I already know this is one book that I will probably redo probably three, maybe three times. Because there's some things I'm going to add and it's going to get a little thicker. But I wanted to make this a little thinner uh, in the beginning uh, and so that you, it's a quick, 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 quick read. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So, uh, book number six, again, we, we don't have a slide. I didn't make one. But book number six is now available on Amazon today. Praise the Lord. 
and we thank God for the ability to be able to write. Well, may the grace of God abound within your life. And may you see tangible manifestation of his glory when you make the decision to do things God's way. God bless you. We'll see you on Thursday night. I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. Thank you for joining us today. We are the Training Center Church located here in Gastonia, North Carolina at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Suite B. If you're joining us and this is your first time, we'd like to take this time to say thank you. If you're new to our area or if you're looking for a church home, we currently have our services on Thursday evening at 645 and 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. We'd like to invite you and your family and even a friend to join us live here in person where we have worship every Sunday. Thank you for joining us. Give thanks and be blessed. I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. On behalf of our pastor, Pastor A.C. Smith, we love you and thank you so very much.